We have a special morning this morning. We are going to hear from three pastors, Pastor Elizabeth, Pastor Jen, and Pastor Keaton this morning. You're a good friend. We, we, uh, we love doing ministry together, Elizabeth and I. I love her. And what I want you to do this morning is I want you to lean forward in your spirit. And, uh, and listen, because they have amazing things. And so I want to welcome them. And I want you to put your hands together for Elizabeth Aww. and Jen and Keaton. And yeah, the, the group might get a little rowdy, but we just bless you. And we, we bless the whole team. And we just anoint them with the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. How are we all doing? Well, time is a fossil fuel, and so we never get time back. So I just want to be, say thank you for being so gracious and allowing me to spend a few minutes of my time and what God really put on my heart for all of us this morning. The title, Finding God Amidst COVID. Maybe you were one of the few people that wasn't affected by COVID. And if that's you here today, as I speak and share what's on my heart, just substitute whatever challenge you're in. If you didn't have any problem with COVID, then put whatever else in there. Just fill in the blank for you, okay? At the beginning of COVID, I really had a deep sense of that God was shutting the doors of the church. So instead of going to church, we could be the church. And so I was always looking for opportunities to just serve and love on people. As a believer, that's all we're called to do, right? Just love people. The Holy Spirit does the work of partnering with them and inviting them to have relationship with him. For us, COVID was a real challenge as a family. We actually developed COVID 13 months in after restrictions, and it really hit us hard. My husband was hit harder. And so in those challenges, um, because I've had a lot of my own challenges with my health over the last 21 years, I knew how it was gonna end, that God was gonna use it for his good. And I never wanna diminish when we go through things and challenges, I really, a lot of times, it is so difficult. We want to give up and, and quit and all of that. But in those challenges, that it was very difficult to walk that out. And had we not have had the support of loving friends to, you know, just come alongside of us. And I am the pastor of care here at Northside Church, and I lead the Caring Network. And that's a little bit about what we do. We care and love for people in this congregation who are going through things. So if you're here and you didn't know we exist, that's what we do. So you just make a call into Rose and say whatever the challenge is, and we want to come alongside of you and support you, pray for you, encourage you, be a ministry of presence in your time of need. So my husband's COVID lasted about a month, and mine was, I think, about 10 days. So I was always trying to look for the silver lining in those challenges, having the history of knowing that Challenges do bring us God's grace, and in the deepest places is only where we grow. I wish I could tell you there is another way to grow in the things of God and the things of this world and being human, but there isn't. It's only in the darkest times that God shines his light in our life. So the big idea that I have today is life comes with constant changes and challenges, and how we respond determines the course of our life. And if we choose, our challenges can actually not just make us better Christians, but make us better humans. During the whole COVID, the Lord kept pressing on my heart, I really want you to lean in and just be a better human. So I was like, okay, it's easy, you know, is it, it's easier sometimes to 
be a better Christian because we think we can do all the right things and get all the right answers, right? But that's not true. We just press into God. Challenges are direct opportunities to grow in our spiritual life. I want to show a picture at this time. Okay. So a few weeks back, I was preparing some high tea boxes for our dear friend Carol Rogers Memorial. And every day, like I was just baking something. And this was the day I was baking 250 of these little mocha cupcakes. So I finished them all. Everything was lined up on my island. And then I looked and I thought, how could I forget to ice one cupcake? How could I do that? Like that's, I don't even get it. Anyway, took quickly I took a picture because I thought, oh, this is totally a sermon illustration. <laughs> but anyway, and this is my picture for the power of vulnerability. When we are going through challenges, problems, struggles, we feel like we're all alone. Everybody else has their life together. Even if they, you know, appear to it, we can actually think they actually have it together if they appear together. But there we feel alone, uniced, like how are we going to make it through this? But I just want to challenge you, we all go through challenges. I remember Pastor Jerry Cook telling me, Elizabeth, just consider that everybody that you're sitting with or in your church or that you meet is going through something. So that's, you know, and pretty soon this cake got ice, but then it'll be another, you know, one that isn't ice. So whatever your season of vulnerability is, know that God has a good plan for it. And it's okay to process and vent with vulnerable, safe people, your people. The scripture I want to use today is James 1, 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Although persever allow perseverance to finish its work, that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. So the process of our Christian life is, as we go through things, we are refined. He's using those things to refine us. So lots of challenges, I'm just like, okay, do a good work. Put me in the washing machine. Show me my impurities that you're trying to work out in me, okay? How do we rise above the challenges of life? There's three points. I feel like I was doing beat the clock because I have 10 minutes. I don't even know how much I have left. Rose can put up her hand, but I'm pretty sure it's right on time. How do we rise above the challenges of life? Number one, connect with God. To me, it's just a no-brainer, like to just have a relationship, a personal relationship with God, and that he is our only source of strength. Without him, we cannot do a thing. We'll come the end, to the end of ourselves. Without him, in the middle of our messes, the trials, so many losses in life, if we don't have him by our side and engaging with us, um, we won't make it. And that kind of segues into me the next thing. The next thing, how we make challenges to our life is through connection with people. I always say people can be our greatest source of joy, but unfortunately the reality is they can also be our greatest source of pain. So as we endure the challenges of life, we connect with God, connect with people. Um, it's so hard to break that vulnerable barrier and risk and say, oh, I don't want to say or process or share my feelings, especially if you've been wounded by people. But I just encourage you to, you know, get inner healing for that and just to push through there and risk and, you know, share your life with someone. Everybody is going through something. We're not meant to be alone, just like how that cupcake must have felt all alone, right? So we're not meant to feel alone. We're never alone. That he's always with us and that he sends Jesus with skin on people to encourage us to be with us. The second way that when we have challenges, how we can meet it is by choice. 
that we have to choose to take, make decisions wisely and cautiously. And I know even for me, when I'm in a vulnerable spot, I always don't make the best choices because I have a different lens of vulnerability on. And that's when I have my little tribe around me to encourage me and, you know, maybe sometimes tell me things I don't want to hear. But I trust their judgment when maybe my judgment is off, right? The third way we can rise above our challenges is commitment. The word commitment means we found something of value to commit to. Having a life with Christ is the most amazing opportunity of commitment because he can use you in this earth to care and love for other people. And I just, like, I, it was really felt just so important to me. It's like if we don't be a caring, loving person and a caring, loving church, how do people experience the love of God, right? In my own life, when I've been loving in my community or to other people, they want to know, what's your motive? What are you doing? Well, no, it isn't. It's just to show that we care. We need to care for the community, care for each other, show we, show we care, especially when we're in the sufferings or we're really having a challenge. Nothing in our lives goes wasted. Romans 8.28 says that all things will be used for his glory for those that love him. So if you love God today and whatever your challenge is, make a commitment to just say to God, you know, I don't understand. If I look around me, if I look in the flesh, all this, this doesn't make sense. There's no win-win here. Well, the good news is he totally makes a message out of your mess. So just trust him and I hope today that I feel like it wasn't a dessert sermon to make you feel good. I wanted, I'm a practical person, so I wanted you to give something to digest. So even from what I've shared, that just take one or two things and say, I'm going to take that, and I'm going to grab that. So thank you for your time. Good morning, church. Um, my sermon today, it's on the same topic as Elizabeth's, uh, but it's my, the title of mine is called An Invitation to the Way of Jesus. Um, and that doesn't mean that I'm insinuating that you aren't believers. <laughs> I believe that majority of you here who have who've called Jesus into your life um, are saved, but it's an invitation to a, a way to live that out. Uh, and so just before we jump in, I'd like to pray quickly. Dear God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for this honor, this opportunity to get to share what you put on my heart, to hear what you've put on Elizabeth and Jen's heart as well, Lord. And I pray that for all of us here listening to three different sermons on, on the same topic, Lord, that you would speak to us uniquely through each of the different speakers, that you would highlight things to us that we need in our lives right now in this season, Lord, and that we would leave this place different than we came into it, Father. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to start with some scripture. I'm going to be focusing on John chapter 14, verses 12 to 14. And it says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done, and even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask anything in my name, and I will do it. And I've often heard this scripture used in a, in a wonderful way to encourage us that we too can pray to see miracles happen, and I believe this is true and very applicable. I believe we'll see miracles happen because Jesus tells us right here. 
But I think that there's a simpler application that sometimes we can glance over because um, we're, we're busy looking at these giant miracles that we, I don't know if I could pray and see healing. I don't know if I could do what Jesus did. But I just think there's a, a simpler application that, and it's my big idea for today, is that we can not only do what Jesus did, like the scripture says, but we can follow the way that Jesus lived his life. However, there is a big obstacle or a problem that we tend to bump into when we try, when we see the way Jesus lived his life, and we try to follow in that way. If I were to ask you, church, what, what the greatest problem facing spirituality in the lower mainland or Canada is, what would you say? You might say, something probably came to your mind right now. It might, you might be thinking post-Christian society. Uh, maybe it's government oppression. Maybe it's the redefinition of gender and sexuality. Maybe it's racism or COVID or any number of things that you could have thought of. And those things are all very impactful and, and they've affected us. But the devil has employed, in my opinion, an even more effective technique than mentioned above. And I think that most of us have fallen into it at some point or another. So I'm going to read a quote from someone named Corey Ten Boom. She was a devout follower of Jesus during World War II, and she risked her life to save and hide many, many Jews from the Nazis. And she says that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. I'm going to read that again. So Corey Ten Boom says that if the devil can't make you sin, then he's going to make you busy. And there's truth in that. There's a, a truth that I have personally experienced. A book that I've been reading and, and digesting slowly over COVID, which completely changed my thinking in this area, is called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, written by John Mark Comer, a pastor out of um, Portland, Oregon, which is a very similar context to the lower mainland Vancouver, similar culture. Um, and John Mark Comer says, in his book, that hurry is the root problem underneath so many symptoms of toxicity in our world. Some context to that idea is before COVID, I was working two different jobs, vastly different hours, constantly out of the house at events. I was in post-secondary. I was trying to grow my faith. I was trying to have a healthy and vibrant marriage. Every single spare moment that I have was devoted to something, and most of those things were good. You can't look at them and say, well, school's not good or that's not good. But these things began to take a toll on my physical, my mental, and my spiritual health. And I felt like I had no time to just be in God's presence. There was no rest. There was no Sabbath for me. I felt like I was failing at those things that I mentioned earlier. I wasn't doing them to the ability that I could have done because I was living a life of hurry and busyness. And that's why it makes so much sense when I think of what um, Corey Ten Boom said, that both sin and busyness have the same effect on us. They cut off our connection to God, they cut off our connection to other people, and they even cut off our connection to our own souls. And so when COVID hit me, a blessing in disguise, um, was I was forced to slow down and reevaluate my life and the pace of hurry that I was trying to sustain. It was in this place of a forced sort of solitude and stillness that I found God in the midst of COVID. I'm not trying to tell you, church, that, you know, being busy is a sin. Um, the book also outlines what healthy busyness looks like, so I wanted to make sure that I explained that to you. 
And so here's a quote from the book also. It says, granted, there is a healthy kind of busyness where your life is full of things that matter, not waste on empty leisure or trivial pursuits. By that definition, Jesus himself was busy. The problem isn't when you have a lot to do. It's when you have too much to do. And the only way to keep up the quota is to hurry. This idea seems quite counterintuitive to the North American kind of capitalist mindset. But when I think about our society, everything that we want and do comes to us in, in almost an instant. Orders on Amazon, two days prime shipping. You know, uh, Someone asked me a question about an obscure fact, Google it. I can tell you the answer right now. If I'm bored waiting for my Starbucks drink or, or whatever I'm in line for, just pull up my phone and there goes 15 minutes. I didn't even, didn't even notice it. It went away. There's a quick and cheap entertainment that, that we have access to it at all times. And a good way to, to see if you're living that kind of life of busyness is to ask yourself, when was the last time that you waited in line and didn't even check your phone? I know it's hard for me not to. <laughs> I try to sometimes. When was the last time you just stood in a long line at the bank or at the grocery store and you were just peacefully aware of God's presence around you? Or the last time you were driving somewhere and you intentionally decided to take your time, kind of like Sunday afternoon drives. I know people used to go on those a lot. You get in the right lane, you just sit and roll down the window and, and meditate on God's goodness. I, I don't think I've ever done that successfully. I've tried and tried. I'm a left lane driver uh, through and through, but I, I try. I, I give grace when I'm on the road. But in our culture, busyness and hurry have almost become kind of a badge of honor. When someone asks how you're doing, one of the most frequent responses that I hear is, oh, I'm good. I'm just really, really busy. You know, everything's great, but I'm just so, so busy. And I've, I catch myself still, I'll say that sometimes. I'm like, no, <laughs> try not to say that answer. Because it's, it's the classic answer that we tend to give, which shows that a lot of us are in that place of living a busy life. And an illustration I wanted to give you guys today is the story of the hare and the tortoise. So I'm sure many of you know this story, but I'll read it for those who don't. One day a hare was making fun of a tortoise for being slow. Do you ever get anywhere, he asked in mocking laughter. Yes, replied the tortoise, and I get there sooner than you'd think. I'll run a race and prove it. Well, the hare was much amused at the idea of running a race with the tortoise, but for fun, he agreed. The race began, and the hare was soon out of sight. He took off and ran far ahead. And just to make the tortoise feel how silly it was for him to try and race with the hare, he decided to lay down and take a nap beside the track until the tortoise could catch up. Meanwhile, the tortoise kept going slowly and steadily, and after a while, he passed the sleeping hare. When at last the hare woke up, he realized that the tortoise was near the finish line, and the hare now ran his swiftest, but he could not catch up to the tortoise in time, and he lost the race. And I found myself attempting to live a life at the pace of the hare. But when I examine the life of Jesus, when I look at the way that he went through his life, how he interacted with the people, I don't see a life full of a hustle, hurry, and worry. But rather, I see a life of contemplation, space for spontaneous encounters with people, space for God to move, prayer, quiet time, meals with friends, 
the way of Jesus is not a frantic, unsustainable sprint to success, but rather it's a steadfast, intentional way of being with God. So I have a question for you, church. How have you been? And I mean, really, how have you been? Like when a best friend asks you how you've been. Deeper than the polite answer we so often give, I'm fine, you know, I'm okay. How has your soul been? Have you maybe felt numb during this time of COVID or stuck or feelings of uh, fear with uh, anxiety? Have you dealt with loss during this time? Are you heartbroken? Or have you kind of felt just bleh spiritually? Not a lot going on. You just kind of feel, eh. Or during COVID, have, have you replaced the busyness of your life that was halted with more stuff, more Netflix, more books, more whatever you, whatever you, you name it? Or on the flip side, during COVID, have you spent more time with God? More time in the Word. More time in silence in God's presence. More time in worship. More time slowing down and just being with God. And so, in conclusion, through COVID, I have been forced to slow down and realize that busy spirituality is a counterfeit compared to following the pace and the way of Jesus. I've realized that the metrics we so often use to measure what a successful relationship with Jesus are off. I've realized that I can be a successful person in church and even still be failing at following Jesus' way. And so I've made a decision to change my life, to restructure the rhythms of my life to bear the fruit of Jesus. And church, I want to leave you with one last scripture. It says, it's in John 15, verses 4 to 5. It says, Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And the word abide in this verse is the Greek word for meno, which means to remain to stay, to reside. And so today, I'm inviting you to step into a journey that's just a bit slower, that abides in Jesus a bit more, that advances God's kingdom by physically slowing down and just being with God. That is the invitation today, to start following not only the words that Jesus said, but the way that he lived his life. Thank you, church. Hi, church. These pages are not a 15-hour sermon. They are an altar. On them are menu plans and shopping lists from the very beginnings of COVID. And they arrive here today as an altar, not of worship, but of remembrance. On April 2nd, 2020, I went to the grocery store and I was shopping for myself, my sister's family, and a couple people in our lives that didn't feel comfortable going to the grocery store. My usual grocery store had let me, I'm not sure if you remember, but at that time, April, March, there were limits on a lot of things, butter, dairy, toilet paper. And I had, my typical grocery store had allowed me to bring copies of the driver's licenses of the various people I was shopping for and pictures of their lists so I could prove that I wasn't just hoarding cheese. 
And on this particular day, April 2nd, 2020, my usual grocery store was out of some of the items of dairy that I needed. So I went to another grocery store. I approached the till with three dairy items instead of two and was met with great resistance. The person at the till said, you are only allowed two, choose which two you want. And instantly, I'm not sure if you've ever experienced these moments where you're flooded with emotion and you're like, stop, this is not the place to cry or this is not the place to lose your cool or whatever it would be, that was me standing there, not knowing what to do. I was completely paralyzed, tears stinging the back of my eyes, and didn't know what to do. Store manager came over, looked at my face, looked at the dairy, and said, just take it and go. I got to my car, I burst into tears, and I realized that finding God in COVID for me was really about being open to hear him when so much was out of my control. So much of events and disappointments and all of those things were outside of my control. These pages are menu planning and grocery lists that hang on my fridge as an altar of remembering a parking lot where I reviewed this scripture and came to a place of appreciating openness to hearing God in COVID. Jeremiah 1 verses 4 through 7 are a long time favorite of mine. From the early stages of being called to ministry, these verses have had profound influence in my life, and I return to them as I so often had and heard a new reminder from them. Jeremiah chapter 1, starting in verse 4, it says this, The word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah replies, alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak, I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. And then verse number eight, which isn't on your notes, I apologize, it says, do not be afraid of them for I am with you and will rescue you. I sat there in the parking lot and I realized the first anchoring point of this message today is I needed to be convinced of God's presence, plans, and purposes for my life, regardless of whether I could take the dairy or not. Regardless of whether I could get home to my mom's 65th birthday or not, my brother-in-law's 40th birthday, Easter, so many holidays spent under this shroud of disappointment, health things, not being able to access doctors, all of this, when so much was out of my control. When things are out of your control, I'm not sure if there are any control freaks here. I wager that I'm not the only one that struggles when external forces are dictating the path that I need to go. So I'm speaking to you, and if you're not, Everyone needs to be convinced of these things. Being convinced of God's presence, his plans, and his purposes for our life. In this verse, God says to Jeremiah, I formed you. And I just stood on that. I am created by God. The interests I have, the emotions I'm feeling, the personality of control freak nature 
I am formed by God. I knew you, God says to Jeremiah. I knew you. Not only am I formed, I was formed on purpose with the tendency to want to be in control. With the very, this part of me thrived. I am an introvert to end all introverts. That side of me loved COVID. I was like, nah, I'm good, people. Would you like to go for a walk? Nah, I'm good. Socially distanced visit in the park? Nah, I'm good. I am good, I am good in my basement working from home. I am happy as a clam. That part flourished and God knew that. He knows us. It then says, I set you apart. And maybe this is different than Jeremiah's call. Jeremiah was called to be a prophet to the nations. Maybe we're not all called to be prophets to the nations, but we are set apart. We are set apart for a life like Keaton was talking about, Pastor Keaton was talking about, for a life of connection with people, for a life of connection with God. We are appointed and set apart for these things. And that final I, I, I statement is, I appointed you. And that word appointed means, I have entrusted you. And as I sat in the parking lot that day, I realized that this season was going to look a little different, but that there were still things that God had entrusted to me. And those things haven't changed. I am, have been appointed to and entrusted to love people. I have been entrusted to and appointed to good works that bring encouragement, that popped people texts that reached out and said, would you like to do a Zoom dinner date thing? I don't know. Tried things. Tried to reach out and meet people where they were at to bring encouragement. I am appointed and entrusted to being generous, encouraging, prayer, fellowship. Now, capacity during COVID and capacity during seasons of stress and strain decreased substantially. But still, God's presence and plans and purposes remain. Are you convinced of God's presence, his plans, his purposes? The next part of this dialogue is verse number six, where Jeremiah says to God, responds to God with, but God, I can't speak, I'm too young. Now that might, that was definitely not my response to God in the car on April the 2nd, 2020. My response to God was more like, what on your earth is going on here? I am frustrated and mad and sad and disappointed and really just in my car looking for Kleenex because the tears were flowing for the first time of many during COVID processing all the things that were going on. Verse number six shows us that we can be candid with God. We can be candid and express what is going on, our doubts, our fears, our anxiety, our frustrations. We can express the things that we are struggling with with others, with ourselves, with God even. Being candid with God is for my benefit. God, C point, first point, knows me. He formed me. But when I am candid with him, 
It brings my vulnerabilities, my stresses, out into the open, and it's for my benefit. If we move into the third point of dialogue, which is finally this morning, being open to hearing God's response. I can be candid with God and vent and express my disappointment, which I have, and express my sadness, which I have, express my anger, which I do, processing all of these things with God, but we need to trust that God can handle it and that he has a response to it. And we need to be open for his response. God speaks to Jeremiah and says, don't be afraid. I'm going to put my words in your mouth. I'll be with you. You're not too young. And to us, it's probably not the same thing. But there's a response of God's presence in his plans and his purposes for us if we have ears and hearts that are open to receive. Being convinced of those things without being open to hear God keeps us stunted in our growth. I can be firmly convinced that I am called and I am Christian and I'm following Jesus, but without an openness to continue pressing in and hearing what God is saying in this season, my faith is stunted to wherever it grew to, and it doesn't press past that. COVID and seasons that are out of our control give us the opportunity to grow past that, to press in a little bit beyond what I'm sure of to see all that God has for me. And being candid without being open, it keeps us stuck. How many know people that are just really good at telling you all the things that are wrong but aren't so much good at waiting around to offer a solution or consider a solution or consider what might be an option at the other side of this. Being open to hearing God's response. If I'm candid without being open to hearing, I keep myself stuck. And if I'm convinced without being open to hear more, I keep myself stunted. In the car on that day, in the parking lot with this very sheet in my hand, I prayed and considered to realize the fact that I was going to have to be honest with God through this process. Many, many times over, that was the part of this process. COVID plus being open because I am convinced that his presence never fails, that his plans and his purposes never fail. They might look different, but they never fail. Are you convinced? Are you willing to be candid with God? And are you open to hearing what he has to say? I'm going to pray and we're going to turn to a closing song that is just beautifully an invitation to take the things that you've heard today, whether it's through worship or Pastor Elizabeth or Pastor Keaton or myself, taking it to God and being open to hear what he would have to say to you this morning. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your presence all the days of our lives. I thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and in that we trust and are convinced. I pray for any areas in our lives that we're not convinced that you are present and that you have plans and purposes for us that are good. I pray for that process of convincing. 
I pray for the beautiful relationship that takes place when we are open and candid with you. And I pray, God, for your voice to speak and move in our hearts today. We thank you in your name, Jesus. Amen.